following audio is from St Nick's Durham. As a church, we exist to love God, love people and love Durham. We hope that this sermon will serve you well as a supplement to your regular Bible reading, prayer and participation in your local church. For more information about St Nick's Durham, directions or resources, please visit stnicks.org.uk. Our Old Testament reading is Psalm 128. Blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in obedience to him. You will eat the fruit of your labour. Blessings and prosperity will be yours. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Yes, this will be the blessing for the man who fears the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you live to see your children's children. Peace be on Israel. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. John 2 verses 1 to 11 Jesus changes water into wine. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing each holding from 80 to 120 litres. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water, so they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realise where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink, but you have saved the best till now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. Good morning. Let us pray. Lord, may your word take root in our hearts and transform our lives. Amen. Where is Jesus leading us? And what is Jesus doing? Often, we do not know. How can this be? We may have known him for a very long time, and yet sometimes, all we seem able to do in our lives as God's people is to say, Lord, we are in trouble. We need help. We are out of ideas. And that's more or less where Mary finds herself in today's gospel reading. Jesus, we, she says, or, or they, they're in trouble. They need help. They are out of wine. And at such times, when the future is unclear, we need the courage to go forward in our walk with God 
And we also need to hear Mary's words from today's story. Do whatever he tells you. So they do. And extraordinary things happen. The best, it turns out, is yet to come. Like all stories in John's Gospel, is this in some way a story about all of us today, as much as it is about a wedding that Jesus once attended in Cana in Galilee? Well, let's hear the story then, before reflecting on how it speaks to us in 2021. Once upon a time, there was a wedding and Jesus went along with his mother. Well, from time to time in my ministry, I've had the great privilege of taking a wedding in one of our beautiful churches in County Durham. And any of you who've ever been to such a service may recall one of the opening lines that we often use. Our Lord Jesus Christ was himself a guest at a wedding in Cana of Galilee. Note very simply, Jesus involved in our daily lives. He was invited and he went along. And then the wine ran out. At this point, Mary turns to Jesus and says, they have no more wine. Now, I can imagine that a mother attending a wedding with her young adult son might be slightly nervous about asking him to get involved. Those of you who've ever been accompanied by a teenage child as you went to a wedding, how easy was it to lean across and say, I think they've run out of cutlery. Would you mind just going off and picking up some more? Is it possible to imagine your offspring being slightly grumpy in reply? Oddly enough, that is what seems to happen here. Jesus says, a bit bluntly, Woman, why do you involve me? Translations have always struggled to capture this odd reply in straightforward English. I rather like the footnote uh, in my Bible that nervously explains that addressing someone with the word woman does not denote any disrespect. But to try to get this straight, I'll paraphrase it for you. Mom, you're so embarrassing. It's nothing to do with us. But Mary is persistent. Of course, it's hard to imagine how it was having a son who sometimes seemed to be shaping up for a public ministry unlike anyone else's ever. A son who had been such a remarkable, even miraculous gift in the first place. A son who she could not easily understand. And we do read of occasions in the Gospels where she's left feeling like an outsider. But here she seems to hold her nerve and to believe that despite his slightly grumpy reply, her son is indeed going to sort out the problem. And so she says to the people serving at the wedding, do whatever he tells you. Taking stock at this point in the story, note that she has and we have no idea what he will tell them. It's unclear how Jesus can or will help. And it is a bit odd to imagine 
that the forthcoming saviour of the world is being pressed into action over a shortage of wine at a wedding. But that's what happens. Jesus indicates six large stone jars holding water for purification rituals, for ceremonial washing, and tells them to fill the jars with water. Then draw out some water and taste and see. Honestly, like with most miraculous events in the Gospels, we do not actually get to find out exactly what happened and how. The interest never seems to be in dwelling on the details of what Jesus has done. This is not a story that offers any particular useful information for one of our legendary St. Nick's wine tasting evenings, for example. No, the interest, such as it is, is simply in recognizing that he has done it. The water has become wine, and not just any wine, but the best wine. A huge, overflowing amount of it. And they all drank happily ever after, or at least for a sufficiently long time, but none of them was able to drive home that night. So the servants in the story follow Mary's advice and do what Jesus tells them. All the details get taken care of along the way. We just don't know how. And in the process, says John in verse 11, Jesus reveals his glory. I take that to mean they got to see what he was really about, just a little bit, a glimpse of his truly remarkable identity. Now, I will confess to you that I used to be somewhat puzzled by this story. I never had a problem believing that Jesus did it. I have a rather simple understanding, really, of gospel stories about Jesus. I think they mean what they say, and that all bets are off about what God in human form might do. So who am I to argue about whether this or that happened like it says, or perhaps more accurately, why would I spend my time arguing about that when the plain meaning of what these stories say is already thought-provoking enough to keep us busy for a lifetime? But I did have a problem with this particular story, with understanding why he did it. Why this? Why start the most important ministry ever and the most important story ever told with some wine-making at a wedding. Really? In a world of wars and rumours of wars, of flash floods and disasters and suffering, when we are in search of love in the time of COVID, is this really the level at which Jesus chooses to engage with the human race? Fixing a catering problem? But I've come to realise that John never does tell us a story just because it happened. He's also always interested in what it symbolised. And here the story of water into wine starts to make sense. The point is, I think, that Jesus wants to take the daily life of faith that we lead, symbolised by the jars of water for purification, a right and proper thing that was one part of living faithfully before God. He wants to take that life and to fill it to overflowing 
with newness, with goodness, and even with joy. He takes our lives, water, and he turns them into new life, wine. Not just any wine, but the best. Lives that are full of flavour, full of intoxicating smells and tastes. Lives that can be, to use a technical theological term, fun. And that's why Jesus' first sign, as it's called at the end of this story, is turning water into wine. John wants to say, if you thought life with God had been good so far, just wait till you see what it will look like once Jesus gets hold of it, once Jesus fills it with newness. In due course, he will address the problems and the heartaches and the struggles and the suffering. Indeed, Jesus will take on the sins of the whole world. And there are many important things to say about the seriousness of that struggle between good and evil, not least of which is that in the end, Jesus will win it with life conquering death, which is a message that we surely do need to hear at such a time as this, when the papers are reminding us daily of the lives lost to the virus. But in the end, John's gospel will insist death does not win. However, it is as if John also wants to say to us, first you have to understand that all of that long-term hope and expectation comes from a Jesus who wants us to experience new and life-affirming goodness even now. To put it most simply, and in the language of this very passage, Jesus invites us to enjoy a party. Who would not want to join in? Now you know, I know, and we all know that life is not just one long party, not even one long gathering in a Zoom room where you bring your own chocolate. And we know too that for every one of us who is flourishing, there is someone who is fearful. For every one of us who is happy, there is someone who is heartbroken. That vaccines race head to head with infections, and at the moment, it's hard to say which is winning. So of course our time together is not always happy, it's not always very much like a party, but we didn't need COVID to tell us that. At the heart of our worship every week, week in and week out, is our celebration of the gospel story of life that comes in and through death. When we take communion, especially, we remember this, but it is always the story that frames all our worship. Recalling that the glimpse of the kingdom to come is a glimpse from a darker and a harder place, even from the valley of the shadow of death. Even then, even now, in 2021, God still wants us to experience God's goodness. And what about Mary? What do we learn from her role in all this? Do whatever he tells you, she says. What Mary models here, as she does so often in her appearances in the Gospels, 
is the strange mixture of, on the one hand, not understanding what Jesus is doing, alongside, on the other hand, insisting that whatever he is doing is the most important thing. Well, that must have been a difficult balance for Mary as Jesus' mother, to have to admit that his ways were often obscure to her and that the way he speaks to her in this story does feel like the kind of way that a son can irritate a mother in seeming to think that he knows best. But if Mary manages to hold fast to focusing on what Jesus wants, then so can we, so can all of us, God's people, gathered in worship as we are today. As the passage ends, Mary and the family and the disciples follow Jesus on down to Capernaum and into the rest of the story. It will not be an easy path for them, for Jesus, or indeed in very particular ways for Mary. But as the church has known for 2000 years, Mary remains an extraordinary model for us in showing what it can mean to give her whole life to attending faithfully to whatever Jesus tells her, tells us, or tells everyone to do. Sisters and brothers, what does the future hold? Where is Jesus leading us? And what is he going to do? I can exclusively reveal to you today that I do not know. Is there much to worry about in our world in 2021? Yes, there is. Is there much to worry about in our own personal lives and in the lives of no, those we know and love? Yes, there is. Do we all have days when we want to pray, Lord, we're in trouble. We're out of ideas. Yes, we do. But hear this life-giving word from Mary in our reading today. Do whatever he tells you. Receive the goodness that he desires you to experience, whether it is as simple as wine at a wedding or as complex as life in the midst of death. Our worries do not need to lead us to despair. Rather, like Mary, they might lead us to trust, a complete and wholehearted trust. Indeed, as I was reflecting recently when preaching on Jonah in our evening service series, I wonder whether it's only when, at last, that we confess to God that we are out of ideas, out of resources, out of wine, that we arrive at the place where God is most likely to act in our lives in surprising and life-giving ways. To say, come to me and let me give you the overflowing wine of new life. That is what we celebrate at St. Nick's every week in words of gospel life or in bread and wine or in music and prayer and even, because not even a pandemic can stop us, in Zoom rooms where we provide our own tea and cake. Are we ready to spend 2021 focusing not on the worries of the daily headlines, but on what God will do 
in and through us. Then we attend to Mary's words as she looked, puzzled but confident, at her wondrous son. Do whatever he tells you. Let us pray. Lord, open our eyes to where you are leading us in 2021. Thank you for your desire to fill our lives with your new life. May that gift transform us today and every day. Amen. Thank you for listening to the St. Nick's Durham podcast. If you would like to hear more sermons and teaching like this, then subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about St. Nick's, visit our website at stnicks.org.uk.